What's up, peeps? We're back. It's the AEW Insider. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Lee Bentz, and we'll get right to it. Uh, we got, well, I don't even know what I'm saying that because I'm going to say something else, but uh, we got a big, big show today. A lot of it is review of what happened during the week, you know what I mean? A lot of news stories, but a lot of it is covering Raw, SmackDown, NXT, 205, what have you. A little NWA thrown in there. And uh, what was I going to say? The YouTube videos are back up in full effect. I'm going to do a podcast at least once a week, and then I will be a YouTube video also. I'll be pretty much doing what happened in Week in Wrestling on a uh, podcast. On the show, I'll also have new stories, but I won't be covering like Raw, SmackDown, you know what I mean? And then also, I will be doing another YouTube video once a week about movies and video games. So definitely check that out on YouTube, on the AEW Insider, on Facebook, AEW Insider, and on Twitter, AEW Insider 1. Okay, now let's get to it. Uh, there is some very, very sad news in the wrestling world. I know if you guys have heard, uh, WWE, X, WWE, X, NWA legend and champion, the King Harley Race has passed away at 76 years old. Uh, I'm a 70s guy. Yeah, I'm old. I'm old. I'm late 70s, so don't go too far ahead of yourselves. But I grew up in the 80s. I'm from Jersey, went to the garden as a kid, what have you. Like, our families used to gather around uh, the TV for pay-per-views. Like, they were big events, which they were. My grandmother, my mom be screaming, get him, get him, kill him, kill him. Like, we're huge, huge wrestling marks here. Uh, King Harley Race definitely was a huge, huge, like, star for me. And he had an impact on my life. I used to be at my dad's house watching the WrestleManias and that on VHS tape, and he was the man. He's a huge influence in my life, I know a lot of your lives, and definitely people in the business's life. I mean, he is awesome. So, I mean, Godspeed King. Godspeed King. We hope everything works out up there. There is the other side, and you get treated like the king you are. I mean, I believe, even though there was Jerry King Lawler, if it wasn't for a King Harley race, there would be no King of the Ring. Even though they really don't do King of the Ring uh, anymore in WWE, and they really should, because besides Money of the Bank, that was another way, way to highlight a star who was going to be next up, you know what I mean, in the line to be next WWE champion. We need more of those, like with the stipulations. But if it wasn't for the King, man, who knows? He was awesome. In NWA, he really, really shined. If you haven't seen that in his old matches before WWE, check it out, because WWE is like the end of his career. But anyway, uh, King Harley Race has passed away at 76 years old, and we wish his family all the best here at the AEW Insider. And as I said, Godspeed, King. Thank you. All right, into some AEW news, because it's the AEW Insider. This week's being the Elite. The Young Bucks, Bucks, listen to me, the Young Bucks' own son and daughter have turned on him. Uh, they showed the Young Bucks sitting out by their pool in the house, you know, on vacation or just in their backyard. And uh, the kids come up to them and they ask them pretty much how they're doing or something like that. And the kids go, Cero, miero, is what the Lucha Brothers always say, especially Pentagon Jr., which means zero fear. And their sons and daughters even did the finger signs that they did. And the Young Bucks, their, re their reactions are priceless. It was very funny. Uh, also this week on Being the Elite, they showed behind the scenes of the TV Guide interview, which I went over last week, uh, and it was a great private party and Bucks promo to hype their match at High Intensity 8 next Friday in Jamaica, New York, which my daughter and I will be at. Uh, private party was like at an outside bar area drinking there, and the Bucks went up to talk to them. 
private party security guards, some big guys, like three of them, stopped Matt and Nick. Matt and Nick started bugging out, like, do you know who we are? You know what I mean? Like, these guys, we gave them a contract, now they don't know us, they're all big. Nick Nick was hilarious. Usually he's not the funny one, Matt is. But Nick's like, yo, man, we know how to throw parties. We know how to throw parties. We throw super kick parties. So they're about to go and attack private party, but before they can even hit private party with the super kick, private party was waiting, hit them with a super kick, and pretty much laid them out. So it was very, very funny and a very well done skip. Adam Cole Bebe's girlfriend and uh, AEW star Dr. Britt Baker did a part of the BTE mailbag this week. Um, holy F, I always thought she was a hottie. Peeps online say that she's a butterface and yada yada. The whole time she was on the Elite this week, I could not stop staring at her lips and mouth. And I'm not a weirdo. It's not like I got a fetish or anything. It's not what I look for in a woman. But I don't know. It's just something about it this week. About the good doctor's mouth. But anyway, mm-mm-mm. Now I know why Adam Cole Bebe claims him for herself. I mean, claims her for himself. Uh, Christopher Daniels answered her letter also. They asked Christopher Daniels if he was still doing the Waterworld stunt show at Universal. People don't know, but for years, Christopher Daniels does actually play the Dennis Hopper role with the bolt head and the eye patch, what have you, at the Universal uh, Studios. Uh, Christopher Daniels says he still is doing it, but of course with his busy schedule, he can't be doing it as much as he used to. He's always there on Wednesdays, though. So if you go to Universal, definitely try checking out Christopher Daniels in a Waterworld show. Uh, Chris Jericho cut a seething promo. He really is the GOAT. He was sitting there saying this and that, but you could see the reflection through his sunglasses. Like he was saying this is going around and around him and he's talking to people and tearing them up. But the whole time you can actually just see he was holding a cell phone and nobody was really around. It was just very, very funny. And Jericho's the best. Uh, the Bucks did close out the episode pitching the tickets for their first AEW sale, which did go on sale today, I believe, this Friday. So hopefully you guys are going to go. We were going to go, but I mean, my daughter, I'm a single father, like I say, yada yada. Trust me, I'll go to a lot of wrestling events. We've been to three WrestleManias. Can't even tell you how many NXTs or TakeOvers. Some are in the last four years in a row, what have you. We'd be there next week, but they moved it to Canada. But uh, what you call, I was going to go to the show, but we're working all that. It's four and a half hours from me, which isn't bad, but not this time. But I give you my word, as soon as they touch foot in New Jersey, Philly, or New York, we will be there. I mean, it's, it's a given. All right, uh, let me see where we're at. All right, a great promo was released for the three-way match at All Out. It had uh, Joey Janela, Darby Allen, and Jimmy Havoc legit having a street fight. It was at a concert, like in a stage, but no band was performing. They were in a pit below it. It was totally empty. Uh, the security guards broke them up, and then the camera scanned to the right, and legit, it was Blink-182, the real band. And uh, Mark Hoppus from Blink-82 said, Again, Janela? What the fuck? And he walked away. And, of course, he was referring to a couple weeks ago, which the AEW Insider did report on, that Joey Janela and Enzo got into a legit fight at a Blink-182 concert. So it's amazing that Blink-182 even heard of it. He knows these guys, and they, uh, what you call it, cut a promo with him. It was awesome. Uh, all this stuff that I'm going to talk about, all these videos, all these promos, what have you, remember, you can check it out on all our social media. All right, it is now official that on Marco Stunt's 23rd birthday, he was given a contract for AEW. So Marco Stunt is officially AEW, and he, Luchasaurus, and Jungle Boy are going to tear shit up. 
Cody Rhodes did a short interview with Busted Open Radio about their first ever live taping of AEW in October. Uh, they're trying to sell it out when tickets go on sale today. Uh, well, they did go on sale. I actually got a check, which I didn't. I apologize for. I uh, started this. I know they probably sold. They had those sold out. It's their first show ever. And WWE can't even sell out two nights at the Garden with their biggest TV shows. But anyway, uh, he also revealed his opponent for AEW's first TV show, and it is none other than Sammy Guevara. People are wondering why he picked Sammy Guevara, blah, blah, blah. And people don't know. Sammy Guevara is a AAA champion and all that, and he's just a man. His gimmick that he has and all that, so-so, it'll get better, but he's awesome. Uh, Sammy's awesome, and Cody knows it. Cody said he wants to work with Guevara in front of the rest of the world so they can see how good he is also. Uh, also, it was announced that AEW's debut show in October, it will be the Golden Elite, which is the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, First, Chris Jericho and a tag team or two people of his choice. So to me, that's their first night on TV. You know it's going to be a huge surprise. I say that's when they do announce a huge tag team that they sign that they didn't let anybody know about yet. So it's very exciting. Uh, he also cut a promo on the AEW YouTube channel, which is Cody again, which I was talking about. Uh, it was for their 18... That's all they're doing is advertising their first show in October. I don't blame them, because that's how they do it with the internet. But once again, he cut a, cro a promo on the YouTube channel, and it was about their upcoming uh, debut at the core of it. But last week, when I reported that Vince McMahon made the phone call about their second quarter financial things, and he took a shot at AEW and TNT, saying they're not going to go back to that blood and guts crap... Well, Cody and a lot of people on the other end were very, very offended. Uh, Cody did not take kind to that. His words were, summed up the course, that, uh, what you call it, it was crazy that that person did say it and he said it in a public forum. Uh, he wonders if when the words came out of his mouth, if he actually tasted what his own words were saying, like the venom coming, over, coming off of it. And he also said that this business was built off of blood and guts. Every wrestler, male, female, manager, what have you, stepped in the ring since this thing started until now, it's built off of blood and guts. So fuck yeah, they're going to be doing blood and guts, which is very, very awesome because it's a big F you to Vince McMahon. And I love WWE, don't get me wrong, their product just sucks right now. And, and I get pissed off because they act like AEW doesn't exist, they act like they're a joke, but they stay taking shots at them whenever they can. So actions speak loud in the words. They've been scared for months. People don't think they have, but they have been. Look at when it's started when they were stopping people from going to WWE shows were wearing AEW gear, yet they were acting like AEW didn't exist, they've been scared from the door, and all us loyal fans of people you know who love wrestling can smell it, smell the blood in the water, so we just gotta see what happens. Alright, let's get to this week's Road to All Out. It was kick-ass as always. It opened up with MJF. Anything MJF is in is gold. Uh, he was going all over how tight he and Cody are, how they're BFFs, yada yada. The best part of his little promo segment is when he asked the camera to pardon him because the button on his jacket was too tight. He unbuttoned his button and they showed his necktie. His necktie had a picture of Cody Rhodes' dog Pharaoh on it. I died and could not stop laughing. It was so funny. And he acted like it was nothing and he just kept doing the interview. It was effing hilarious. Uh, then they showed Cody training for his upcoming match with Sean Spears. They showed Sean Spears and Tully Bancher getting in a nice limo, dressed in beautiful suits, and going to sign a contract for the upcoming match. Uh, Cody wasn't showing up. 
uh, to, while Cody wasn't there, Tully Blanche made the stipulation that each person can only have one person in their corner. Tully Blanchard will be in Sean Spears' corner. And Tully said, I don't bring if he bring I don't care if Cody brings his wife Brandy down, his brother Dustin down, or his dog Pharaoh down. Only one of them stays. One person on each side. And I mean it was pretty awesome. Cody was working out. I guess he got in the shower. He showed up late for the meeting. He didn't look any of them in the eye. He just walked in. There was a contract. He went to sign it. The lawyer's like, hey, there was a new stipulation added. He did not care. He signed it and walked right out of the office. Sean Spears was in shock. Sean Spears thought they were going to fight, get into it, what have you. And Tully's like, don't worry about it. You got what you wanted. Now we're good. And then the episode ended. So I'm telling you, man, as always, and it's not because I'm an AEW mark also, uh, what you call it, All all Out is going to be friggin' amazing. Alright, on to some WWE news. Uh, I would say I bet that WWE regrets taking a billion dollars from that Saudi Arabia deal, but Vince McMahon wanted that FU and XFL money. Uh, never mind females being able to wrestle there, and the government killed one of our American reporters not too long ago. The Saudis are still asking for older, well, actually dead superstars to appear in their show. From an inside source working with WWE, it was revealed that the latest list of wrestlers they would like to be on their next show in Saudi Arabia included such legends and superstars, and rip RIP to any of them not have gone, which they all are. They wanted Eddie Guerrero. The Big Boss Man, Macho Man Randy Savage, and Miss Elizabeth to appear in the next pay-per-view. It is unbelievable that they love wrestling so much that they know who these wrestlers are and they paid a billion dollars to have it there twice a year for like 10 years. But how do you not know that these people are dead? It was super weird and eerie. But good luck with all that blood money, WWE. Uh, Trolls have been dissing Renee Young for her job on commentary. I think that's effed up. We know she's great from when she hosted Talking Smack with Daniel Bryan, and plus what she did all before that on the microphone. And she used to be a reporter for ESPN before she even worked for WWE. It's just crazy. I mean, who do you want back, the coach? Uh, I mean, really. Taz took to Twitter and he gave her props, and Renee responded by admitting she knows she's not the best, but she tries very hard and gets better every day. She said it's her job. What should she do? Just quit? People think the grass is always greener. We can get ten times worse. Like I said, we can get the coach back or somebody, so just chill. Plus, it's good to have a female on the panel with the women's revolution, you know what I mean, and just their perspective. It uh, was announced that indie star and pro wrestler Chris Sabin. Chris Sabin was on Ring of Honor, Impact, New Japan. I think he was in WWE once or twice, too. He's awesome. But he's going to be a guest coach at the WWE Performance Center this week. It must be amazing to be trained by true legends of the game. I mean, we heard horror stories about coaches in the Performance Center, but there's also a lot, a lot more good than bad that comes out of there. All right, we're going to get the Raw real quick. Uh, Raw started with an announcement of a gauntlet match. Uh, and then also Raw with the 24-7 champ was crowned, unless somebody can come up with a really creative uh, way to do it. Uh, she might be champ for a while, actually. This is what happened. If you've been watching WWE, there was a mixed gender match between R-Truth and Carmella and Drake Maverick and his new bride. The ring was surrounded by mid- and lower-card wrestlers who wanted the title. 
So uh, what you call it? Our truth won the re won the title, and the wrestlers swarmed the ring and attacked them. They did a legit pile on for it. When the pile cleared, your new twenty four champion, twenty four seven champion, was Mike Canellas. Now you've seen that Mike and Maria Canellas are in a crazy storyline when she's pregnant again, and he's head over heels for his wife, but she despises and loathes him because of his career, being a man and being a father. So he won the title. He was went to show her, and he was all celebrating. She said, "Ref, get over here!" And she told him to lay down on the floor. He resisted at first, but she said, "Lay down." He did. She put her foot on his chest, and the ref counted one, two, three. So Maria Canellis is your first twenty-four-seven pregnant female champion. Now, who the hell is going to sneak her, attack her, beat her for the title when she's carrying child? It's so crazy, but I love it. Uh, they also had the five-man gauntlet, which I was talking about. Uh, the winner stays, whoever, like, it'll start off with two guys, and then it keeps going on. The winner stays, and then whoever is the last man at the end gets a shot at AJ, title, AJ Styles for his U.S. title at SummerSlam. So it was pretty, pretty good. It had peeps like Andrade, Rey Mysterio, Cesaro, Ricochet, what have you. And the Ricoch in the end, Ricochet won, of course, because he just lost the title to AJ, and they've been in a feud. And uh, what you call it, he's going to fight for AJ at SummerSlam for his old title, and I hope he gets it back. Well, he'll get it back in time, but maybe not now because the club with all the gold, I mean... Uh, also, Jimmy Uso was right back on Raw in a three-way tag title match. It was the Usos versus the Revivals, WWE Tag Champions, and Mark Gallo, and, excuse me, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. Uh, must be so nice to be related to The Rock, Nia Jax, Roman Reigns, what have you. Also, that you probably... Uh, excuse me, it's so, it's so great. He probably had no solo career. Like, he keeps breaking all the WWE wellness rules. If this was anybody else, they'd be suspended, suspended, or gone. The last time he got pulled over, he actually attacked the cops. He could have got shot. He's been busted for two DUIs in one year, and still he's live on WWE TV a year later. He got busted last weekend, Monday Night Raw. He's on there. It's insane. But anyway, the winners of that match were Gallows and Anderson. And I kind of ruined it if you didn't know before, because I was saying with AJ Styles and the club having all the gold, well, AJ now has a U.S. title, and the Gallows and Anderson do have the tag team titles. So it's pretty cool. I'm glad they resigned them, and they didn't just bury them. Because a lot of times they'll resign them, which they did for five years, and then they'll put them and do nothing with them, which is just insane. All right, so Seth Rollins came to the ring. Brock Lesnar's music hit, as always. We all thought he wasn't there. Well, oh boy, were we wrong. Brock Lesnar walked right to the ring and absolutely decimated Seth Rollins. It was one of the worst ass-whoopings I've ever seen. Brock beat the piss out of him and left him bleeding. They took Seth out on the stretcher. After the break, the ambulance was going to leave, and it just stopped for some reason. The camera panned to the front of the ambulance, and there was Brock Lesnar. He literally opened the back of the door, and he ripped Rollins out of the back of the ambulance by the stretcher while Rollins was still on the stretcher. Rollins fell off the stretcher once he got to the ground. Brock Lesnar lifted him up and legit F5'd him sideways, and he landed on top of the metal stretcher sideways, and he landed right on top of his knee. I'm almost positive it was his surgically repaired knee. I don't know, but that's so effing 
fucking scary, dude, because that was legit. And that knee was repaired. He was done, man. It took Seth almost nine months to come back. So I hope everything's all right. But that shit was crazy. But it was awesome. You think the show would be over with by then? Kind of find out Samoa Joe called Roman Reigns out, and a huge a brawl became a brawl happened between Reigns, the Usos, the OC, Drew McIntyre, and Samoa Joe. They were all on the stage just getting into a blah blah blah. Out of nowhere, Seth Cedric Alexander is on top of the Titan Tron, like WWE in the nineties on top of the Titan Tron, and he jumped off and he's it just landed on all of them. So it was friggin' awesome. Uh let me see. All right, let me say, oh yeah, WWE does kind of screw itself because this week's show was awesome and I feel SmackDown was awesome too. But uh, they do screw themselves with all the years of bad program, try, programming, trying to shove Roman Reigns down our throats for years. This week at WWE TV, like I said, especially the main shows, kicked ass. But Raw was down from last week's ratings and so was SmackDown's. So even though they put good stuff out, out there, people aren't there to watch. And that little boy who cried wolf syndrome is in full effect for WWE. Uh, I wasn't going to break till after SmackDown, but this is already 20 minutes going on, so i got to take a break and pay the bills. Remember, it's the AEW Insider and all social media on Twitter, AEW Insider 1. I'm your host, Lee Benz. This is the AEW Insider. When we get back, we got SmackDown News, NXT 205, NWA, plus a couple more news stories. So definitely tune back, all right? I'll be right back, peeps. All right, peeps, we're back. As always, this is the AEW Insider. Remember to check us out on all social media. Let's get on to SmackDown. SmackDown opened with a KO segment, surprise, and he was calling out Shane McMahon, surprise. Uh, Shane wouldn't be there this week, though. So his best friend forever, Drew McIntyre, did not take kindly to what KO had to say. They confronted each other in the ring and had a match to open the show. It was very good. It was exciting. I liked that match a lot. In the end, KO pulled out with, with the win. Uh, Alexa Bliss, Bliss and Nikki Cross defeated Ember Moon and Bailey in a tag match. And now I think that they're all going to, well, I think they're going to make it a four way because I'm pretty sure it's Bailey and Alexa, no, Bailey and Ember Moon at SummerSlam, but that's not exciting enough. So I'm not sure if the stipulation was that now Alexa Bliss is in the match. I'm almost positive that what, that's what it is. But I know the fans also want uh, Nikki Cross in there. So we could see a four-way for the WWE Women's Universal title. And then, uh, what you call it, also, if it goes wrong, we could see Alexa turn on Nikki during that. So we have to see next week at SummerSlam. Uh, Alistair Black also did a promo at the beginning of the show. Alistair Black is so awesome. His gimmick is awesome, but his promos are stupid. Uh, Sami Zayn later was backstage and he called out Alistair Black for a match at SummerSlam. And he said he's gonna plan, he has plans to explode, expose Alistair Black. Uh, the King Jerry Lawler called out Trish Stratus for an interview. Uh, in no time, it was interrupted by, woo, Charlotte Flair. And Flair challenged Trish for a match at SummerSlam in Canada. There was a bunch of back and forth banter. No use going over. You could check it out on our, uh, excuse me, social media. Uh, my boy Dolph defeated Finn Balor in a one-on-one. -on -one. The match was interrupted by Bray Wyatt, of course, on the Titantron, because uh, uh, Bray and uh, Finn Balor are fighting next week at SummerSlam. Uh, that gave Dolph the opening for the win. Even though he did not need it, of course he won. After that, Ali took on Shinsuke Nakamura in a one-on-one -on -one title match. That match was awesome, too. Ali pulled out a nice win. It was a great match, and then on uh, the next day on Twitter, Ali did tweet to Shinsuke, and he said, a match for SummerSlam? I didn't see the re reply yet. It's not confirmed, but it's going to happen, and those guys are going to tear the house down. 
Uh, the final match of the night was AJ Styles versus Kofi with the New Day outside the ring and the club. They were both at ringside. That was another great match. In the end, and the camera almost missed it, Kofi caught AJ Styles in midair. Styles was going for his fi- flying or- for forearm, and he landed right in the trouble in paradise, and Kofi got the win. It was awesome. So you'd think it was over with, but again, the show ended with Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns was just walking backstage. Out of nowhere, a big steel structure was pushed on top of him. The camera went all crazy, what have you, and that's just a little taste of the new camera angles that WWE wants to use going forward. I wasn't impressed. It was way too scripted. Uh, what you call it? Um, excuse me. It wasn't prepared. Uh, Reigns wasn't hurt anyway. He just got up. The medical came to him like, hey, come with us. We'll just check you out. He said, I'm all right. I'm all right. And then he left. They're doing that because they want to reveal his opponent because right now, Roman Reigns, Vince McMahon's golden boy, does not have an opponent for SummerSlam, which is crazy. Uh, to me, it looks like something Bray Wyatt would do, but he is with a fight with Finn Balor. People think it's Samoa Joe. Uh, what you call it? I would think it's Braun Strowman, because Braun Strowman, weeks ago, I mean, months ago, had the whole thing with the steel girders backstage or garters, and then uh, what you call it, he could actually push them. But we don't might not have to wait long actually to see who it was or next week, because people took to Twitter, they took screenshots of the whole segment, and the person they are blaming for attacking Roman is none other than Buddy Murphy. Now, to me, that would be fucking awesome because Buddy, Buddy Murphy's a huge talent and he never gets his due. I don't know if it was him or not, but he was just around the area at the time. I seen the picture. And then I and I write this all throughout the week, so that's why it has updates in between it. So then I said, time will tell, peeps. Well, the day after I did write that, it was reported that it was none other than Daniel Bryan. And that makes perfect sense because, like Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan also does not have a match at SummerSlam. And what you call it, they advertise, of course, WWE for their upcoming live events. And they say this person is going to be there, that person. For the matches that are booked, I mean, the, the, excuse me, the matches. For WWE live events that are taking place after SummerSlam, it is already advertised that it's going to be Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan. So it would make perfect sense that they're going to fight at SummerSlam because that's going to start the feud and they'll continue it, you know what I mean, blah, blah, blah. So unless Vince rewrites it, of course, Daniel Bryan was the attacker and it will be him and Reigns at SummerSlam. It's not confirmed, this is my speculation, but mark your dog's words. And like Raw, SmackDown was great, but again, it was rewritten hours before the show. It's sad they need to get themselves. It's just, it's just, it's just crazy. It, it's just sad. I don't get why Vince does that. Why do you have a whole slew and a team of writers and you're rewriting it two hours, four hours before the show? It's nuts. But uh, Dolph Ziggler, if you notice that I brought it up, he keeps bringing up Goldberg's name, even though he's fighting Miz at SummerSlam. Well, Dave Meltzer reports that that's bullcrap because uh, he says that Dolph was supposed to fight with Goldberg. But it's still not confirmed because Vince is still mad AF at Goldberg. But from a tweet from Matt Riddle a day or two ago, it seems like it might be legit and still on. It was a pick of Dolph and Goldberg with the SummerSlam thing like any other match. And Matt Riddle tweeted, WWE, make it a three-way. So who the F knows? Matt Riddle's supposed to be getting this call up at SummerSlam or right after. And it's just crazy. He's been talking smack on Goldberg, too. So it's less than two weeks from the show, and it's still very up in the air. Uh, it sucks SummerSlam is not in Brooklyn this year. My daughter and I, she, we go all the time. She's very sad. We've been to everyone the last four years at the Barclays Center and two of the takeovers there. It was a good while it lasted, Brooklyn. Uh, real quick, some of the sources where we get our stories from, you know what I mean, online and and in print, our Wrestling Observer, 
PW Insider, Fightful.com, Wrestle Talk, Cultaholic, Sean's View, Ringside News, Pro Wrestling Sheet, WWF Old School, Bodyslam.net, Sportster.com, and Sam Roberts, just to name a few. Alright, let's do 205 Live real quick. I know a lot of people don't like it, but that show could be excellent. It was so-so this week. Uh, still, minor league shows are better than the main roster most of the times, though. The first two matches were so-so like the entire show. Uh, in between, they had Drew Gulak demanding pretty much his opponent for SummerSlam. Uh, he pretty much said, whoever it is, I'm just going to destroy them, yada, yada. So Drew Gulak also doesn't have a match yet for the second biggest pay-per-view of the year. Like, what are you guys doing? Uh, then they had Drake Maverick, who is the old rock star spud from Impact Wrestling uh, of NXT. He did wrestle Mike Kanellis, while Mrs. Kanellis watched from the back, holding her new 24-7 title. It was a great match physically. If people don't know, like I was saying, before WWE, the little guy, Drake Maverick, he was known as Rockstar Spud, and he was in Impact Wrestling, and he is awesome in the ring. That's why he got the WWE contract in the first place. So I'm really, really glad they have him wrestling a lot more now. And I know he's happy he's earning his money. In the end, Drake Maverick won the match. And now Drake picks who Gulak will fight uh, at uh, excuse me, SummerSlam. If Mike Kanellis win, he would have fought for the Cruiserweight title. So that's a little crazy. Uh, NXT this week. The show kicked off with none other than a Prince a Pretty, Tyler Breeze. I'm glad he went to NXT again. This is where Tyler Breeze shines and he's used correctly. Him cutting his hair, though, was a big mistake for his Prince Pretty gimmick, but he'll survive. Uh, he took on the leader of the Forgotten Sons, Riker. Uh, over their backstage running a week or two ago, because he bumped into him backstage, Riker didn't take too kind to them, now they're fighting. Uh, Riker is a fucking beast. That dude is, he's no joke. Once he gets rid of the Forgotten Sons, he's going to be a huge star. Uh, Tyler Breeze did hold his own at first, but he was no match for Riker's power and brute strength. Riker went to finish it, but Breeze turned it into a small package and got the win. It was a huge win over the leader of the Forgotten Sons. Of course, the rest of the Forgotten Sons ran into the ring and they started to beat the piss out of Tyler Breeze. As Riker was about to finish him off, Fandango came out from backstage. And the crowd was chanting Fandango before he even came out. They knew. Uh, So Fandango came out to help his fashion police BFF and they made short work of the Forgotten Sons. They also had the semifinals of the breakout tournament. I'm not knocking the guys who are in the semifinals and now in the finals because they're given less, lesser names a push, but there were about five, four, four to five guys in that tournament who are amazing. And of course, they didn't win because they're not going to need it, but I wish they would have got further. But that's always good, too, seriously. Uh, Shayna Baszler took to the ring to call out Mia Yim, who came out to respond. Mia asked Shayna if she was scared and where her homegirls were at. Uh, Mia Yim asked her that because the last two weeks she's been taking out uh, Shayna Baszler's girls. Shayna Baszler responded by saying, you don't feel anybody. He said, you don't feel anything under these lights. I'm going to expose you and everybody will know your street trash. And that was it. Uh, then they cut to Candice LeRae, Johnny Gargano's wife, who people don't know, she's an amazing wrestler also, but they barely use her. But Candice LeRae was waiting outside for E.O. Cherie to come out, uh, and she waited a couple segments, and then William Ringo finally came out, and he told her she was not there. Candice demanded a match with her at TakeOver Canada, and Regal agreed, and then Candice left. Uh, the main event was the Bruiserweight 
Pete Dunn versus Roddy Strong. Roddy Strong, baby. And holy fuck, these two tore the house down as expected. Roddy is top 10 in the game right now. Wait until WWE gives him his proper singles run. He's an effing machine. These two went back and forth like crazy. Roddy definitely had the upper hand, but in the end, they gave the win to Pete Dunn. Now, Roddy is at a championship match at TakeOver, and Dunn is in. Out of nowhere, the Velveteen Dream snuck into the ring, and he was about to attack Dunn with his title, but Dunn caught him. Roddy jumped back up to the apron, and he told them that none of this matters. That's my title, and the crowd keeps tri chanting triple threat. So it's going to be a triple threat. The Dream put his arms out like he does when he throws him up in the air, but Dunn grabbed his fingers, and he breaks them. You know, he breaks the fingers even though he doesn't, and then he hit the Dream with his finisher. So it was awesome. Uh, like last, like I said last week, I do love the uh, excuse me WWE at Network. They have their new navigation uh, excuse me menu. I like how it looks, but after actually using it for a week, I have to say it blows. The navigation menu, just to move around the menu, is okay. But when you go to type in something, if you want something, or to type in your email and password to sign in, it's a horrible keyboard you can use anyway on the PS4. And then also too. The fast-forward and rewinding sucks on it. I watch NXT. NXT already started. It was about 20 minutes into the show. So I go on the network. I hit watch from the beginning. It actually just shows an entire show altogether. So then finally, after trying that a couple times, I did watch live. I get to a live. It's at the Shayna Baszler segment. You try to rewind it. It legit just skips a whole show. So you can't even rewind a fast-forward on in the PS3. It's just insane, WWE. Like, get your shit together. Alright, uh, the match of the week. Like, I always do put out a match of the week. I did put up Kurt Angle. I mean, excuse me, Kurt Angle. It is Kurt Angle. I'm saying, don't mind me. I put up Kurt Angle versus John Cena. This was John Cena's first appearance in WWE on main television. Before that, he was on the indies. He was called the prototype. He was a machine, yada, yada. But Kurt Angle was cutting a promo in the middle of the ring. And that's when they weren't doing the attitude era, but they wanted to do the ruthless aggression. He wanted somebody to fight him. He needed a real opponent. Ruthless aggression. Out of nowhere, this young and bucking John Cena comes out in like an orange, I'm pretty sure. Like little shorts and crap. He looked crazy. He challenged uh, Kurt Angle to a match and he said it was about ruthless aggression that's what he brought to it and you know they tore the house down so it was awesome definitely check out that match that's the AEW Insiders pick of the week John Cena's WWE debut on TV versus Kurt Angle uh, NWA they struck again with this week with another great episode once again it highlighted and went over the career of E. Eli Drake and it was very well done uh, it was very interesting also. Come to find out, Eli Drake trained, was trained by the same guy who trained John Moxley. And he also talked about working with Paul Barra. And he showed him as a tag team in 2011. His tag team was called Natural Selection. And his partner was none other than Impact World Champion Brian Cage. Now, I'm not accusing them or any other athletes of doing steroids, because even back then when they were in 2011, when they were a tag team, Cage and Eli Drake, they were pretty built. But being one size, and it, it just, it's insane how they are now. What's up with the wrestlers? Being one size, they get fired or they leave, you know, from TV, what have you. They're gone for a couple years and they come back looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Terminator. It's just insane. But uh, you should see how small they were compared to who they, what they are now, especially Brian Cage. And if you didn't know, Paul Berry used to be Eli Drake's manager. So definitely check that out. It was very, 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 very good. Uh, Eli Drake's 
said that if he, if he had to pick a Mount Rushmore of wrestling, it would be the Nature Boy Ric Flair, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan, and the great one, The Rock, which is awesome. Uh, what you call it? It was great choices, but definitely check out the new episode of 10 Pounds of Gold. It was really good. All right, here's just a wrestling news story real quick. Disco Inferno, you guys remember him from WCW. Well, he does a podcast with Conan, another old WCW guy. And uh, he's always getting in a fight with Cyrus and uh, Lance Storm on their podcast. He's an idiot, though. But he was throwing shade on his podcast. Uh, what you call it? He was saying AEW will have problems with TNT like WCW did. The guy is so out of touch and he's such a hater. It's unbelievable. He said that though he remembers because he was there about the working relationship with WCW and TNT. And then after Time Water bought it, who still owns it. And it was a mess. But then, like Cody said on Busted Open Radio this week, they, that's bullcrap. Because thank God they got, uh, excuse me, Tony Khan. And not only that, thank God that there is not one, not one person working for Time Warner Media or TNT that was working there when WCW was on TV. Plus, they have a great working relationship with Tony Khan. So if the old guard was still around, they never would have gotten a TV deal in the first place. So shut the F up, Disco Inferno. I hate that guy anymore. I actually liked him in wrestling. Even though he was a clown, I gave him props. He was good in the ring. Now he's so jaded, he thinks that he knows it all. He's an idiot. Uh, the last few weeks, there have been new subscribers on the podcast and YouTube. I want to thank you guys so much, especially Chris. You're a true effing peep, man. If you guys don't know, that's what I call you guys and gals. You guys are my peeps. So I want to thank you all, especially Chris. I won't let you down. Uh, next Sunday is SummerSlam and NXT TakeOver, Saturday and Sunday nights, respectively. Uh, SummerSlam is scheduled to be a whopping six hours in runtime. Uh, even though NXT will be two hours, there's a 97% chance that it will outshine its main roster, Big Brother. But uh, I will be doing a prediction show about that. I will be doing a result show. Uh, also, this weekend, it could be any day, because, I mean, what you call it, i got to record them both and edit them both. The YouTube channel is back up and running so Sunday Monday at the latest but I'm going to try doing it the early I mean by the latest Sunday night there will be a YouTube video about wrestling and I'll be doing a separate one about movies and video games so definitely please I'm not going to keep doing the same stuff I went over this on the YouTube because it's not cool and if you guys already listen to this you're not going to rewatch it again so it's not going to have any raw smackdown or anything like that the YouTube video of what happens over wrestling in the weekend which always is hot with the indies plus impact wrestling's on time o'clock tonight i'm going to cover that and then uh what you call it i'll still keep these stories in but not the results of what happened during the week so i gotta excuse me pass on the wrestling news to people who don't listen to the podcast so please like subscribe share you know what i mean check out the youtube videos that are dropping this week help your bro out uh also if you guys definitely just like sports in general all kinds of sports check out the 570 sports show and if you like strictly wwe check out my boy two tooth and his crew at job jabber wrestling universe so i'll be back next week with the podcast we got the prediction show we got youtube videos coming this week yada yada uh definitely check us out on all social media it's aew insider on facebook and twitter excuse me on facebook and youtube and on twitter it's the aew insider one uh as always i'm your host lee benz i thank you guys so much we'll see you guys very soon thank you for joining us as always on the aew insider